0: Hey ladies, welcome to the Yas and Amen podcast, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilies Dominguez. Let's get it. So today we have our third episode of this series called the Sow the Seed series. And today we're sowing seeds of worship. Today's speaker and teacher is Faith Yuri Cho, uh, who began ministry when she was 19 years old and continues to have a burning passion to serve as a voice of the voiceless. Currently, she is a pastor, a pastor's wife, a CEO of a nonprofit organization, and a church planter. In addition to that, she's a writer, a missionary, and an itinerant speaker. Faith is the founder of the Honor Summit, a nonprofit organization that is driven to refresh and empower Christian women all around the world, alongside her husband, Pastor David Cho, who is also co-pastor of A new church plant her most precious role is being a mom of four children and you can currently find her on instagram and her on her website which all the information will be in the show notes so today she'll be talking about sowing seeds of worship And yes, worship is raising our hands and singing to the Lord and all those things, and it's powerful and important, but um, it also includes our everyday life, right? All the different components of our life, and so how can we worship God and how can we sow seeds of worship in our life um, in such a way? And so she's going to invite us into learning more about that. She's going to share scriptures, some stories, and even her personal testimony that's really encouraging. So check out this episode with Faith Yuri Cho as she teaches us on sowing the seeds of worship.
1: Welcome, ladies. My name is Faith Theory Cho, and it is such an honor to be able to be a part of the Sow the Seeds Summit. I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to go over right now, which is sowing the seeds of worship. Before I begin, I would love for us to just acknowledge Jesus that's with us right now. I know that we are in different spaces um probably even different states and how exciting is that but the god that's with you is the same god that's speaking through me right now so can we just collectively um as one body just acknowledge the king acknowledge jesus right now and i will start us off in prayer jesus we love you we honor you God, it's all about you. And I just pray that you uh, breathe fresh revelation into us. And I just pray for a truth that will set us free. And God, I, I ask that you give your daughters a new song to sing from within their hearts. And I pray that you ignite worshipers for your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a little bit about me. I am a pastor. I'm a pastor's wife. I'm also a mom of four, which you may be able to tell once in a while because my four kids are still running around out there like crazy. Um, We also have two dogs, which is added craziness. And I'm also the CEO of the Honor Summit, which is a women's organization and ministry and it's in the west coast midwest and the east coast and we're just so excited to be able to partner uh with sow the seeds and here we go worship is one of my favorite topics to talk about i feel like once you understand it i mean it will be such a joy to use it for his glory but not only that but to warfare with it, I really believe worship is the best weapon for warfare and the best source of joy too. And so here we go. I want to first refer to the Bible when it comes to what worship is. Now the Bible uses several words to reference worship. Um, of those, in the original language, I chose about the top three, and one is shachah, which is Hebrew. And it literally means to prostrate oneself, to bow down, to fall down flat. So isn't it so interesting that it's so much more than just a song? The second one is proskuneo, which is Greek. And it means to kiss or to pay homage, kind of like a a dog licking his master's hand. And the imagery is like a servant falling down to kiss the ground before a king. How humbling, and what an imagery that is. And then there's Sibomai, which is to revere, to hold in awe. All of these, um, it's more about the attitude and the position of the heart that manifests itself physically. It comes from deep within. So it's so much more than a song, right? There are, I believe, two main factors when it comes to the essence of true worship. And I'm really excited about this because I really believe God wants to restore true worship into the church. Um, One, it's that it's sacrificial. In Genesis 22, five is actually the first reference to worship and it's about Abraham as he goes to sacrifice isaac on mount moriah um i'm sure if you are a mother of young children or if you are being overworked in your jobs the last thing you want to hear is oh god wants you to sacrifice um and what an imagery of even this moment in genesis 22:5, abraham I'm sure he did not feel like giving up his one and only son. And I am sure it's confusing. I mean, God promised him nations. He only has his one son and God is asking him to give him up. But even in that confusion and maybe even the lack of emotional will, God receives it as worship. And that to me is so encouraging. This means that even if you're not feeling like jumping up and down or belting at the top of your lungs, even if all that comes out of you is just a faint whisper or a silent acknowledgement of of Jesus, that is still considered to be worship. Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There is that element of sacrifice, meaning you give what you can. You give your best before God. And I think sometimes we feel discouraged because we feel like our best is not enough. No, You know what, when you are on your commute and you're grieving something and you still find a way to honor Jesus in that commute, that is genuine, true worship. You know, I remember when I was breastfeeding, I had four kids to breastfeed, right? I remember rocking my chair in the dark room thinking, God, I have no song to give. I have no energy. I just wanna say that I love you and that's the best that I could do. Even that to God is pure worship because you're sacrificing. It's sacrificial in nature, right? Um, The second element that comprises of the essence of true worship is, it's filled with thanksgiving. Colossians chapter three, verse 15 to 17 says, "'Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through him. It's There's so much gratitude when it comes to worship. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, oh, well, I can't force myself to be grateful. What if I don't feel like being grateful? And, you know, I used to feel that way too, especially when you're in pain, or when you're stressed, or when you are uncertain about certain things in your life, the last thing you want is to be told, well, check your attitude of gratitude, right? Until I realize it's actually not just an attitude. It's a choice to fix your eyes on the things that God is doing, as opposed to obsessing over the things that God may not be doing yet or may not be doing obviously to you. It's choosing to to look for the fingerprints of God in your life, as opposed to just fixing your eyes on the problem. I really believe that the alternative to Thanksgiving is actually complaining. Oh man, complaining is so easy, my goodness. Because you feel so um, almost, justified when you are complaining um you feel in a way almost entitled like i have a right to feel this upset and you may be true but that's not true power and you're not gonna gain much from that true power comes from thanksgiving choosing to see what god is doing as opposed to what he seems like he's not doing I mean, that's a practical tip all around. I remember, I mean, my husband and I, we've been married for about 11 years. And um, throughout those 11 years, I mean, it's been crazy. We got four kids, two dogs, multiple ministries, so on and so forth. So there are times when we get very frustrated at each other and we go through some major rough spots. But I always find myself doing this. Whenever my heart grows cold and I'm getting frustrated or angry, it's simply because I'm fixing my gaze on what he is not doing. you are I told you this multiple times and you're not doing this. Or you promised me this and you're not doing that. And when you fix your eyes on what your husband is not doing, all you could do is become filled with frustration, um, anger, sadness, until I have learned to be able to also um, count the blessings of what he has done, that changed the course of our marriage almost entirely, because there's so much power when you choose to come out of your little, you know, your little circle of expectation, right? Your little realm of expectation. You're choosing to look up and actually see someone for who they actually are. So I remember there were moments when I would sit down and I would think, "Well, he washed the dishes this morning, and he he made me my first cup of coffee during the day. He played with the kids in the late afternoon, you know. And when I when I fix my gaze on what he has done, my heart is just filled with with love, with peace, and feeling connected to him too." worship is kind of similar it's fixing your gaze on who he is and what he is doing and what he has already done and that just opens up the doors to so much intimacy and joy and power so no it's not just about checking your attitude and it's not just forcing yourself to, you know, spit out a list of things just to pay your dues to God and be a good Christian. No, it is, it's, it's an act of intimacy with God and it's his choice to see him and lift your gaze from what's not happening and what's not going for you. So out of my four kids, two actually ended up in the ICU as babies. Um, and my son, my only son actually, um, he's my second born. And he was born a little too early. And so um, when he was born, uh, immediately he got rushed into the NICU. And my goodness, I was shattered. I was, I was shattered. Um, because I had all this expectation to be holding my baby in my hospital room, to have people come and and bring gifts and flowers and hug the baby and pray for him. I mean, I had I had so much expectation for what this could be like, but immediately they just whisked him away. He was put on a breathing tube, and it was it was just heart shattering. And you know, I tried to have a good attitude for the first couple of hours. I just thought, you know what? This isn't a big deal. God, you're still good. God, you're still good. But you know what? Every hour, a new doctor and nurse will come into my room and give me um just worse news than the one before. And it will start to break me apart piece by piece. And after about two, three days of no signs of my son getting better and actually the high chance that I will not be able to take him home with me. My goodness. I did not want to pray. I did not want to open up my Bible. I didn't want to receive any sort of counsel. I was a mother in grief. And I felt the Lord actually press upon my heart in that moment. I specifically remember this. I was in the hospital room. And I felt the Holy Spirit press in my heart, saying, Faith, give thanks. And oh my goodness, in the beginning, I was like, no. Like I can't, there's nothing to give thanks for. Um, and oh my goodness, Lord forgive me, right? I was just, my I was in so much pain that I was like, I can't possibly right now give thanks. There's nothing to be thankful for but I felt his gentle nudge, his merciful and kind nudge faith. Give thanks. So I reluctantly took out my notebook and I just started to write. Thank you God for this hotel, I mean hospital room, which is like a hotel room. I was in a really nice hospital. Thank you for the nice nurses. Thank you for this. Thank you for the top of the line care for my son. And and you know what? In the beginning, it was just like that, like, thank you for this, thank you for that. But after about the third to fourth page, my heart started to melt and I started to weep because I realized, oh my goodness, God, he's here. And he's got this and he, God is, he's loving me right now and God is loving my son right now. There's going to be breakthrough in his good time, and, there's, and this is going to be okay. This is going to be good, and I remember starting to be filled with peace, and I, I specifically remember another nurse coming in in the next hour telling me more bad news, but for some reason, This time it hit different because my heart was filled with a peace beyond all understanding. And that began with thanksgiving. It says in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his courts with thanksgiving. There is just something about thanksgiving that just opens the doors to just be right in his presence. And you just receive his supernatural peace. So Thanksgiving is such a powerful component, and it's um, you just can't take that away from true worship. True worship has that element of gratitude in it. A couple other factors when it comes to worship, like what it actually is, what it actually does, is one, it is recognizing and honoring the God that will do it. You need provision. You need a breakthrough, you need a miracle, you need power, you need help. Worship is just recognizing and honoring the God that could do just that. And Not only only can he do it, he will do it. It's taking a pause from your hustling and your striving and making room for the king to do his thing. You're making space for God to do his magnificent work. You're making space for breakthrough. When you take a pause from your strategies, your hustling, and you decide to worship Jesus. The key to living a life filled with miracles, filled with the things that only God can do, it's worship, truly. And I always tell people, i rather live a life filled with the things that only God can do as opposed to just my best work. Now, I don't want a life filled with just my best work. I want my life to be filled with the things that only God can do. But if I want to live to that capacity, then I need to learn how to worship, to enthrone God. The, you know, it's and when you enthrone God with your praises and with your acknowledgement, you're not only recognizing him, but honoring him and also giving him the space to move. It's also choosing to enjoy him regardless of what you're feeling. You know, I have um one of my children, she is a huge fan of chicken McNuggets, and my goodness. I mean, you would you would think that she's caught up in the rapture when you give him chicken nuggets. I mean, you could see it all over her face. She opens the box and she's like, "Mmm, yes, delicious, yummy, yummy, yummy." And like you, you could hear her, you could see her move. Why? Because the chicken nuggets are so good to her that she's just overflowing in expression and manifestation worship is just enjoying god really and our singing and our moving and all that stuff is just an overflow of us experiencing the goodness of god when you see worship happen in the psalms it's not just saying oh i i just say thank you god but it's also i play the lyre i clap my hands i dance there's just this expression this manifestation why because he's good God is inviting you to enjoy Him. And worship is just one of those ways we start to enjoy Him. I remember one of those songs that's just so simple, which is, I Exalt Thee. I think that's probably about a total of four or five lines in that song. And really, when it comes down to it, you're just saying, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. I, I remember there were so many times when i would just say i exalt thee i exalt thee i exalt thee and my heart will become so filled with this supernatural pleasure of god this love experience with the father where you feel so romance where you just can't help but just say it again and say it again and say it again worship is you going into this experience of enjoying god and god is inviting you into that and also what it does it welcomes victory and it welcomes breakthrough and it welcomes blessings you know all throughout scripture you see that before some of the craziest breakthroughs signs and miracles there was always worship and you see that A couple of my favorite illustrations from the Bible is one in John chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. What does Jesus do when he looks at the thousands of people he has to feed and all he has is five loaves and two fish? He looks up to heaven, he gives thanks and he breaks the bread and then the miracle happens right? I think that's so powerful because if it was me, I'd be in lament. God, I only have five, five loaves and two fish. Whoa, is me, you know, and my gaze will be upon my lack. My gaze will be upon what, you know, all my doubts and my skepticism, but what did Jesus do? He gazed at the provider, the good father, and he said, thank you. And then that invited a miracle to happen. Jehoshaphat, he had a battle in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. How did he win that battle? With a praising choir, right? Um. In chapter 20, verse 21 of Second Chronicles, it says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And verse 22, it says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. It was worship that won the battle. And we're not talking like a figurative battle. We're talking an actual physical battle. That's how powerful worship is. It's not just a concept. It's something that manifests in your life. You need victory, then I welcome you to worship. You're pressed up against an impossible situation. I welcome you. Sister, worship. There's some of the most significant battles in the, in the Bible that were won through worship. And actually, it was tradition for Israel. When they go into the battlefield, they will send in the tribe of Judah first. And Judah actually means praise to God. Isn't that so crazy? In his name, it actually connotes worship. And Judah was actually the largest tribe and was always the first to go into battle. That says something, y'all. That says something. Before you go into the workplace, worship. Before you go to your kids and start the day, the long day with them, worship. Worship, you know, before anything else and invite the victory, the blessings of God, the breakthroughs of God. And my last favorite illustration is Paul and Silas in prison in the book of Acts, chapter 16, starting from verse 16 to 33. You see Paul and Silas, they are in jail. I and mean, maybe have guards, there's just no way out. They're probably going to be executed. What do they do? They spend the night in praise. And as they did that, the earth began to shake, the jail broke open. Isn't that crazy? Your worship could literally break open jails, right? You know, some of you may be thinking, oh man, well, how come we don't see those kind of things, you know, these days? And I really believe it's because we normalize complaining when we're imprisoned. When we're imprisoned, we normalize just complaining and we don't normalize worship, right? You wanna see more moves of God, then you wanna sow more seeds of worship. Now, I wanna share with you a final story, and it's a really personal story of mine. Um, so for kids, I had them all back to back to back, meaning there was a span where three of them needed to go to the same preschool slash nursery, which is not cheap. Um, well, I mean, one child alone, it was like, I don't even remember. I think it was like a thousand. So it was really, um, okay. Do we pay rent or do we send the kids to school? What do, what is it? Right. Um, and so A lot of families um, in the area when uh, they need assistance, they sign up for this program. It's pretty common in this area. And so we sign up for this government program and you know what, after about a month, we got a letter that we were rejected. Oh my goodness, the panic, the discouragement, the sorrow that we felt, you know, and it was so easy to justify the bad news. God, did did I make the wrong choice in going into ministry? Did I was I not supposed to have four children? Is that my fault? Is this my fault? Is it, and it's just so easy when you are in the mystery of your pain or in your suffering. It's so easy to feel the need to understand what's going on. It's so easy to feel the need to justify something when actually what God calls you to do is to trust him. And when you trust him, you don't always need to understand everything. And I felt that nudge in my heart because I remember my husband and I, we were looking at the letter together. We were sitting in our room thinking, oh my goodness, what do we do? And I was actually thinking, well, do I, do I quit ministry? And you know, do I try to find another form of income? Or do I stay at home? in homeschool? Like, is that an alternative? Um, but then Lord, didn't you call me to do the things that I'm doing? I mean, we were so confused and so sad. Um, but I felt this nudge in my spirit, the Lord saying, faith, I want you guys to worship. And so I remember telling my husband, let's just spend the next hour, not talking about this and just praising God and just worshiping. And so we did, you know, we, um, I I went into the closet, like a literal closet and he went to the other side of the room and we just spent time just praising him, worshiping him. And I remember in the beginning, it was just panic. Like, Oh God, I love you. Oh God. You know, it was just panic. But you know, the more I started to sing of his goodness. The more I start to sing things like, oh, you're a miracle worker, you're a you're a way maker, you're a promise keeper, the more I start to sing that with my being, giving him that that sacrifice of praise and even just thanking him, God, even still, you're good, you're good to me. You know, as I was doing that, faith started to arise from within me. And by the end of the hour, I was filled with so much of it. I was filled with so much faith that I came out, and both of my my husband and I we had the same conclusion. We're gonna apply. We're gonna apply again. I don't. I don't know what's gonna come of it. And it was a lot of work to apply the first time. And you know what? All the answers are going to be the same. But there was just something in me that kept resounding with this, with this revelation. No, God is better than that and I'm not going to settle with this reality that God may not be as good as I think worship causes you to want to and have the strength to live a life that reflects the true goodness of God so my husband and I we we reapplied and you know what two weeks later we got accepted it was so wild and so all my kids We're able to go to school. We were able to afford it. We were still able to serve the church and it was such a miracle. And every time I dropped off my kids, I do, I would give a thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, you know, because I know that God, it was God that made a way. But that was spurred on by that, the act of worship, worshiping God. So I encourage you sisters to sow seeds of worship throughout your lives. Instead of lamenting and stressing over the things that need to be, let's worship the king who's already everything he needs to be. And you know, let's worship the sufficiency and the power of who God is and watch him move in your life. So Jesus, I pray, that you raise up love-sick worshipers amongst the sisters on this call on this in this conference may you anoint their hearts to worship and praise you over every difficult situation over every season no matter what ground they stand on may they dance in it as they learn to worship you unconditionally and i pray that you move mightily and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys.
0: I hope that bless y'all and that y'all just got all you needed from that sermon and that teaching it was really really good and really powerful and so just to get a little bit more glimpse into the sow the seed summit it was a virtual summit we hosted earlier this year and if you register today or any point before the end of this year you get all the content until december 31st so make sure you go to the link in our show notes to get it it's 15 plus speakers meditations all different kinds of resources so you can continue to grow in your faith and live your most full life that god has given you y'all i pray that conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply something you either learned or heard to your continued growth on your faith journey i invite you to study more on the scriptures we talked about on this episode and don't let any conviction you experience go without prayer and action share any thoughts or testimonies you may have by leaving us a rate or review and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast meet us next time for another episode and if you don't already follow us on instagram following at percelliespd or at we.r.fool to learn more about our growing community and get connected with us.